Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's Saturday, the 24th of February. I'm Kira Evans, and this was a week that saw a ceasefire vote turn into Commons chaos, international reaction to the death of Alexei Navalny, the U.S. land on the moon again, and big wins at the BAFTAs. Grab a cup of something hot, put up your feet, and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the standout seven from the smart seven. It's news, but not the news. Israeli PM Benjamin Netanyahu faced mounting international pressure this week to call off Israel's planned assault on the city of Rafah, where over a million Palestinians are sheltering. The International Court of Justice heard further submissions from South Africa on Tuesday as it described Israel's occupation of Gaza as an even more extreme form of apartheid than the regime formerly in place in South Africa. It came as the World Health Organization accused Israel of deliberately hindering a rescue mission around the Nazir Hospital and UNICEF warned of an unbearable level of child deaths as the food shortages continue to grow worse. Despite that, a UN Security Council resolution brought by Algeria to demand an immediate ceasefire was blocked by a US veto, while the UK also abstained. US Ambassador to the UN, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, says there's still work to be done. Proceeding with the vote today was wishful and irresponsible. And so while we cannot support a resolution that would put sensitive negotiations in jeopardy. We look forward to engaging on a text that we believe will address so many of the concerns we all share. Prince William also spoke out on the conflict on Tuesday, saying too many have been killed and calling for an end to the fighting. With an SNP motion on a ceasefire in the Commons on Wednesday, Shadow Foreign Secretary David Lamy explained that Labour was also in favour of an end to the fighting. We are following our Five Eyes partners, Australia, New Zealand and Canada, who a few days ago made it clear that there has to be an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. We are mirroring that language and indeed the language now of the United Nations. Wednesday had been depicted as a day that would test the leadership of Sir Keir Starmer as the SNP pushed forward a vote on a motion to demand a ceasefire in Gaza. Last time there was a vote, there was a Labour rebellion over his reluctance to call for anything more than a humanitarian pause in fighting. The SNP and the Tories had hoped that by agreeing on a motion they'd be able to force Labour into either another rebellion or an embarrassing climb down from Starmer. However, Speaker Sir Lindsay Howell threw a spanner in the works in part due to the security concerns for MPs. This is a highly sensitive subject on which feelings are running high in the House, in the nation and throughout the world. I have therefore decided to select the amendments both in the name of the Prime Minister and in the name of the Leader of the Opposition. 
Lee's decision, which he later apologised for, saw Labour's amendment go forward, much to the annoyance of both the SNP and the Tories. At one point, both parties left the chamber as things got increasingly tense and the infighting overshadowed the importance of the subject at hand. In the end, the motion and the amendment passed, but it painted an utterly chaotic picture of UK politics. And Tobias Elwood, Tory MP and former Defence Select Committee Chair, spoke for many when asked about his reaction to the evening's events. I was astonished. Uh, It it, uh, was a huge opportunity for Parliament to speak with one voice. I was looking forward to make my case and support a call for a ceasefire and the steps to take us there, which must begin with a cessation in hostilities. Instead, it turned into a joke. Wednesday night's chaos in the Commons spilled over into Thursday as the dispute between Labour and the Tories and the SNP continued. There were accusations that Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer pressured Speaker Sir Lindsay Howell into accepting Labour's motion on the ceasefire. The Speaker apologised again for what he called the wrong decision, but saying he was motivated by concerns over MPs' safety, having been told of absolutely frightening threats against them. Sir Keir Starmer was clear that he had no case to answer either. Categorically tell you that I did not threaten the Speaker in any way whatsoever. The Speaker did the right thing in making sure the debate was broad. There were 67 letters of complaint lodged against him by Tory and SNP MPs, but Commons leader Penny Mordaunt described him as a decent man. PM Rishi Sunak was less enthused with Downing Street slow to back the Speaker, but eventually Rishi appeared and while he criticised the concerning choice, he appeared to be ready to draw a line under the incident. I think the Speaker has apologised, is my understanding, for what happened last night because the usual ways in which Parliament works were changed and that is concerning. The Speaker said he's going to reflect on that. But the substance of this and the government's position is very clear. We want to see an immediate pause in what's happening in Gaza. This saw widespread international condemnation about the death last Friday of jailed Russian opposition figure Alexei Navalny at his remote prison in the Arctic Circle. Russian officials said Navalny became ill and died after a walk, but have refused to hand over his body. Russian President Vladimir Putin made several public appearances over the weekend and appeared to be in high spirits following the death of his most vocal critic. UK Foreign Secretary David Cameron says the death of Navalny was an appalling human rights outrage. Of course we've already summoned the ambassador and we've made clear our views about this dreadful event and the way this person was treated. I'm going to be meeting with G7 colleagues and we'll have the discussions with them. I'm clear we'll be taking action and I would urge others to do the same. And NATO Secretary Jens Stolenberg was also keen to get a proper explanation from Russia as to how Navalny died. All the facts has to be established and uh Russia has serious uh, questions uh, to answer. Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer praised Navalny's courage and promised that dealing with the threat of Russia will be a priority if Labour wins the general election. As we all know, Russia has to be held to account on this. And so we all, as an international community, need to be clear about holding Russia to account. Monday saw the wife of Alexei Navalny vowed to carry on his work, saying she believes that Putin killed her husband, possibly with the nerve agent Novichok, and is waiting for the traces of the poison to disappear. In a nine-minute video, she pledged to help build a free Russia. My husband could not be broken, and that's exactly why Putin killed him. Shameful, cowardly, not daring to look into his eyes.
or simply say his name. As vile and cowardly, they are now hiding his body. Foreign Office Minister Leo Doherty made a statement in the Commons on Monday, making it clear that the UK government hold Russia wholly responsible for Navalny's death and that they're working at pace to hold those responsible to account. Former Chair of the Defence Select Committee, Tobias Elwood, said that President Putin will be feeling very confident now that his main opponent is dead. Putin doesn't care anymore, has full control over his country, is trying to emulate Stalin. In fact, he's more powerful than Stalin because Stalin had the Communist Party to slightly control him. And of course, Putin has uh, China's back. Meanwhile, Russia continued its campaign in Ukraine with Ukrainian troops pulling out of the town of Agdivka as they ran out of ammunition and struggled to recruit more troops after two years of exhausting battles. The Russians have already raised flags over the ruined city and Ukrainian President Zelensky was at the Munich Security Conference to urgently call for more support and warning that Putin won't stop with Ukraine. If Ukraine will be alone, you, you have to understand what will be. Russia will destroy us. In Europe, there is no any nations for today who, who is ready for invasion. We are the same, with the same wellness, but we had this all these years. He has received pledges of support from Denmark and the Czech Republic, among others, but it's the lack of support from the US that is causing serious issues. US President Biden is growing increasingly frustrated with the MAGA Republican Congress, who have refused to pass the Senate bill with billions of aid and instead have taken two weeks off. History is watching the House of Representatives. The failure to support Ukraine at this critical moment will never be forgotten. And the clock is ticking, and this has to happen. We have to help now. At the start of Wednesday's PMQ's Prime Minister Rishi Sunak paid tribute to Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny and had an announcement of the first step in what appears to be the coordinated actions against those responsible. Mr Speaker, the whole House will join me in sending our deepest condolences to the family of Alexei Navalny. This morning we sanctioned those running the prison where Alexei Navalny's body still lies. Today marks two years of Russia's war in Ukraine. Things have been increasingly difficult for the Ukrainian side with a change in military leadership, shortage of ammunition and a steadily rising casualty level as Russia continues to push across the front line. US Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer travelled to Kyiv on Friday to express US support as President Zelensky sat down with Fox News's Brett Beyer in Ukraine, partly to make his case for more military aid, which has slowed to a crawl under Speaker Mike Johnson. He says, things have been tough. The last year was mostly complicated for us at the end of the year. But what we what been done, I think it was good job. And what they could do, only this one place. But what for? Business Secretary Kemi Badenoch was recently outed as a member of the Evil Plotters WhatsApp group who were accused of conspiring against Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. But she certainly wasn't in the mood to have plotting against her as she came out with all guns blazing in a row with former Post Office Chairman Henry Staunton. She fired Staunton last month and according to him said someone's got to take the rap for this. This, of course, is the long-running Horizon IT scandal and the fact that the sub-postmasters involved still haven't been cleared or received compensation. Now, Staunton is claiming he was ordered to move slowly on the compensation deals and delay until the general election. Business Secretary Badenoch was vehemently denying those claims in the Commons on Monday. It is not fair on the victims of this scandal to claim, as Mr Thornton has done, that this is being dragged out a second longer than it ought to be. 
For Henry Stoughton to suggest otherwise, for whatever personal motives, is a disgrace. Her accusations didn't seem to be standing up, though, after the strong pushback from the former chairman Henry Staunton and Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer was trying to get a straight answer from PM Rishi Sunak on Wednesday. Mr Speaker, would the Prime Minister be prepared personally to repeat the allegation made by his business secretary that the former chair of the post office is lying when he says he was told to go slow on compensation for postmasters and limp to the next election. Julian Assange's legal team were back in court this week making a last-ditch attempt to prevent the WikiLeaks founder's extradition to the United States. He's been in jail in Belmarsh Prison since 2019, but could face up to 175 years in prison in the US if convicted of espionage charges. His extradition was approved by the Home Secretary Priti Patel back in June last year, and his lawyers were seeking leave to appeal in the High Court. If they fail in their bid to get a full hearing, his extradition looks certain. His wife Stella left protests outside the court. And the United States is abusing its legal system in order to hound and prosecute and intimidate all of you. What's at stake is the ability to publish the truth and expose crimes when they're committed by states. Assange was too ill to attend the hearing where the lawyer for the US described how his actions at WikiLeaks created a grave and imminent risk by releasing hundreds and thousands of documents. If extradited, US authorities say he will most likely serve a sentence of no more than 63 months. The judgment was reserved after the second day of hearings and former Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn, who attended the protests outside, spoke in defence of Assange. It would be a political decision and I would not be deporting a journalist who's made life uncomfortable, yes, for the US military and many other militaries and many governments and many corporations. Still to come on the Standout 7, America heads back to the moon and Emma Stone surprises at the BAFTAs. Right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. And the pointing for our dishes. What we can confirm, without a doubt, is our equipment is on the surface of the moon, and we are transmitting. So, congratulations, IM team. We'll see how much more we can get from that. Thursday night saw a moon landing which made history at the first commercial probe to touch down on the lunar surface. Texas company Intuitive Machines has landed a Phoenix-sized probe packed full of equipment to examine the little explored lunar south pole. It's the first time America has touched down on the moon since the Apollo missions over 50 years ago and NASA Administrator Bill Nelson hailed the historic day. The U.S. has returned to the moon. Today, for the first time in the history of humanity, a commercial company, an American company, launched and led the voyage up there. What a triumph. Odysseus has taken the moon. This feat is a giant leap forward for all of humanity. Stay tuned. 
If there's one thing Music Radio loves, it's a good old-fashioned game of musical chairs. And Monday saw the latest round continue. Jordan North had announced on Friday he was quitting BBC Radio 1 to be replaced by former Maiden Chelsea star and posh podcaster Jamie Lang. It seemed fairly clear where Jordan might be going as Roman Kemp made a big announcement on Monday morning's Capital Breakfast. He's due to wrap up in six weeks, but it doesn't seem like he's heading to another radio station. He's just a bit tired of the 4am alarm. This is going to be my last kind of six weeks on Capital, which is a weird thing to say. This is the kind of oddest moment I've had here on the show. (sighs) And on Wednesday morning, Capital Breakfast announced their new host. And given the week's game of musical chairs between Radio 1 and Capital, it wasn't terribly surprising when Jordan North turned up for breakfast on Wednesday. Jordan North! A a, a bit mad, but I'm super, super excited. I cannot tell you how buzzy I am Mm. to be starting on the Capital Breakfast show. The 77th British Academy Film and TV Awards took place in London on Sunday night. David Tennant was hosting with Prince William in attendance, although without Kate, who continues to recover from her recent surgery. Oppenheimer was the big winner of the evening, taking home seven awards in total, including Best Supporting Actor for Robert Downey Jr. and picking up first-time BAFTAs for Killian Murphy as lead actor and Christopher Nolan as director. Once again, Barbie left empty-handed, but the night saw surprise wins for Zone of Interest, which won three awards and poor things with Emma Stone awarded Best Actress for her performance in the movie. I just want to say this in case I don't ever get a chance to again. I really want to just thank my mom because she's the best person I know in the whole world and she inspires me every single day and she's always made me believe this kind of crazy idea that I could do something like this and I'm beyond grateful. Without her, none of this exists, including my life. So thank you for that too, Mom. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Give us seven minutes and we'll give you the world. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.